0: guys welcome um we are in week 6 if you can believe it of this 8 week series called The Real God, and this is kind of a church-wide deal. Uh, There's a book that you guys may, some of you have in your reading. There are a small group um, studies that we do on Wednesday nights, and and the church is now open again on Wednesday night. You do have to wear a mask when you're in the building, but you guys can come. And we've got activities um, both for uh, the kids, and we've got activities for the youth and for the adults. And so I want to encourage you guys to do that. If If you're not getting out on Wednesdays, you can still do those studies online. Uh, on your own. The ladies actually do have a Zoom version of it, but, but you guys can just log on to right now media at any time and, uh, and watch those studies for yourself. And so we want to challenge you guys to, to do that. Um, and, and what we're studying when we, when we say the real God is, is what we're trying to figure out is who, who God really is. That's kind of the basic, right? God, God who are you really? And, and not who do we think you are, but who do you say you are? Who do you say you are? And, and so there's a quote, it's kind of been ringing our minds through this whole study, and, and that quote says that what we think about God is actually the most important thing about us. And, and so week one, I talked about the domino effect, right? We used to play with dominoes when we were kids, and you line them up, and you, you knock one over, and that knocks another one, another one, another one, another one. And we said the thing about dominoes, which is really cool, is, is they have potential energy. And one little domino, once you knock it over, can actually then knock over a domino twice its size, and then that one twice its size, and that one twice its size. And, and so we said, when it comes to God, that potential spiritual energy is huge. And if we have a misconception about God, if we believe something wrong about God, and, and, and we've accepted that as truth, then that falls into another area of our life, another area, another area. And before you know it, our lives are a wreck. And, and we kind of admitted week one, that's our story, Right? And so we're committing to, to learning who God really is, to taking the lies we believe, replacing with the truth of God's word, so that we can see that positive impact in our life instead of the negative. And so this week, um, we are going to study uh, God's justice, God's justice, the, the justice of God. And, and so uh, I'll begin here, w- what is that? What, what is justice? If you were going to look up the word justice, uh, what I found at least is that most dictionaries, all they give you is synonyms. That's it. Just a bunch of other words that are kind of similar. And so I looked up the word justice, and it says righteousness, uh, lawfulness, honesty, integrity, fairness, and, and impartiality. That, that's true. But, but then I found this, the second part, which I think is huge. That, that, that And this is in, in Chip's book, that, that justice is an uncompromising and unwavering allegiance to a standard. See, so that, that's, that, that's my new definition of justice right there. It is, it is an uncompromising and unwavering allegiance to, to a standard, right? And, and so uh, with that in mind, I want to talk about God's justice. I want to talk about what it means uh, as far as God is concerned and then how that impacts us. So three things I'll share with you. Here's the first. I just want you to know, and this is kind of simply stated, but, but that God is just. That, that God is just, and, and because He's just, He, he will judge the world uh, accordingly. God is just, and he will judge the world accordingly. So here's the thing about God's attributes. These are not God's activities. These are God's attributes. Huge difference between an activity and an attribute. See, an activity is something that we do. Uh, So like you and I, uh, sometimes we're nice. Sometimes, right? So we do nice things, right? Sometimes we do nice things. Uh, Franklin and I went out, uh, what day was it? It was Wednesday. Uh, we went out Wednesday and uh, it was a long story. I thought I had a Waterburger gift card that was in my other vehicle. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, we'll go to Waterburger. He's like, i got a gift card. It was like, oh, yeah. And we get in the car and I go, dude, I don't have my gift card. He's like, I got you. And I was like, fine, I'll pay the rest. So we get in line. We order our food. And uh, I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I, I you know, I'm so dumb. And uh, and we go go up to pay for it. I can get my wallet out. I'm going to pay the extra. And uh, the guy lady says, oh, the, the lady in front of you paid for you guys. Say like, thank you, Jesus. So next week, we're doing water burger again. We're going to see. We're not testing God. We're just going to see. I was like, I will have my gift card this time. It'll be good. Uh, we'll, we'll work it all out. And, and, and that person, what they did was very nice. All right, so we, we then paid for the person behind us. We kind of get that thing going. Uh, so we did something nice. Somebody had done something nice. But here's the problem. We didn't do nice things all day. See, we do nice things, but that doesn't make us nice. So God is about justice. He does, he does just things. But, but the Bible declares he's actually more than somebody that just does just things. He actually is just. That is the essence of his being. And, and this is huge, right? Because it means some things. So, so I, I want to share with you Deuteronomy 32.4 says this. It says, the rock, man, his, his work is, is perfect for all of his ways, all of his ways. That means everything he does is, is just. He says, a God of of faithfulness and without injustice. Now think through. If he's without injustice, that means he he has no injustice in him at all. Therefore, that means he is just all the time. God is is always just. Righteous, that's another word for just. We'll get there in a second. And upright is he. God is just. It's what he is. And here's why that's important. This is why I'm I'm harping on it. Because what it means is, is because that's who he is, not just what he does, it means that there is never a time that God can lay aside His just nature. You follow me? Like, there's never a time that God can just decide. Well, well, it doesn't matter. I, I'm I just, I'm gonna look the other way this time. He can't do that because He is just. It's not just something He does. And, and that he has huge implications when it comes to us. When when we talk about sin right? Because God can't ignore it. He cannot just turn away. His nature demands that he deal with it, which brings us to the second part of the first point, was it because he's just, he's going to judge the world. He's going to judge the world. Psalm 9, 7 through 8 says, but the Lord abides forever. He has established his throne. Why has he established it? Ready? For judgment. He has established his throne for judgment, and he will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment uh, for the people with equity. Now, uh, that phrase, execute judgment, It's it's talking about something that makes a lot of us uncomfortable when it has to do with God, Uh, but I would share with you it's something that we do all the time because executing judgment means uh, retribution. That's what it means, is retribution. To execute judgment means that you're going to pay back people uh, for what they've done. And and, and the only time we have a problem with this concept is when it has to do with God, by the way, Uh, because this is what I'm going to submit to you. We have no problem with this concept anywhere else in the world, right? Because our, our society believes in something called karma. Right? And what is karma? What goes around, comes around. Right? It, it's a belief deep within who we are uh, in the innermost part of our being that when you do bad things, you're going to get some bad things. And when you do good things, then you're going to get some good things. See, that's an accepted truth for us. That's an accepted truth for us. We, we believe, what I'm going to submit to you this morning, we actually believe in the concept of retribution. We just don't like it when it has to do with God and us. Right? And and so, listen. uh, Romans two five through eight says this: Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath. That means retribution for yourself in the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment is revealed. Get this: He will repay each one according to his works. And we're like, nope, that's where we're out. Right? Can we be on? That's the part we're like, no, I don't like that. But but here, but again, think. Just think about the world for a second. When somebody does something bad to you, what do you think? I th- hope something happens to them, right? Some guy's driving like a complete, I'm going to, there's kids here, a complete non-great person, uh, and, uh, and so they do the thing, they're swerving, cutting you off, cutting you in and out, and, and you're kind of thinking in the back of your head, Lord, I don't want him to get hurt necessarily, but if he gotten like a fender bender, I'd be okay with that. Are you guys, am I the only sinner in the room that feels that way, right? Okay, you guys too, right? I mean, my, my wife, uh, we, I, I now drive a very small car, so I can't do this anymore. I used to have this big, huge, old Yukon that, like, was worth, I don't know, 1500 So I didn't care what happened to it. And so, you know when you're getting on to the freeway from a long ramp, and there's the, there's the lane, and you're supposed to get over, but the lane keeps going for a while, but you're supposed to get over and merge. That's, like, the, the law. Uh, but that person that gets over into the on-ramp, and then they go past everybody, and then they cut in, I hate that person. Jesus, I said that in church. I'm sorry. Um, and and so I used to, I used to in my in my Yukon would park over in the side of the lane so they couldn't do anything, right? It's like, ah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this, from my... and 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 I'm not saying it's right. Uh and and listen, what I'm telling you, like we have this within us. Like within us, we 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 believe in right and wrong, and we think that when somebody does something wrong, that, that they shouldn't get away with it. Like, you shouldn't get away with it. Like, like when you know somebody that is a cheat, like Bernie Madoff, right? And, and the dude rips people off of all their life savings, and all he has to do is go to prison, and he still, he hid a bunch of that money, he never has to give it back, because they can't find it. And you go, that's not right. That guy lives in a mansion, that's not right, right? See, you know somebody that you come in, they're such sweet people, and something terrible happens to him, and you're like, that's, that's not right. And the reason why is because we, in our inner being, this is natural law. In our inner being, we have a sense of right and wrong. And not only do that, not only that, we actually, we, we actually want justice. We believe in justice, except when it comes between us and God. And that's when we seem to have a problem with it. Uh, again, Romans 2, 5 through 8, it says, He'll repay each one according to his works, eternal life to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, but wrath and anger to those who are self seeking and disobey the truth while, de- uh, while obeying unrighteousness. And so the first thing, guys, is just that God is just, He will judge the world accordingly, right? Uh, second point I want you to see is even though we have this inner sense of right and wrong, and I- I'd add to that, even though we have this inner sense of, of, of there should be justice, we ourselves are unrighteous, right? So we, we, we have a sense that people should be just. We have a sense that good people should have good things happen and bad people should have bad things happen. We have a sense of those things, but we ourselves are unrighteous despite what we, what we know. Okay, we just we have, have to accept that truth, and, and so I'm in Romans chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read a huge chunk, I'm going to read uh, 18 all the way down to 25, if you have your sermon notes, digital sermon notes, you just click on it, because I put the whole text in there for you, just click on it, it'll pop open, let's read this together, and here's what the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18, it says, for God's wrath, think retribution, For God's retribution, God's wrath is, is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. Saying they know, right? They know. Guys, we know. We know. It's evident to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power, divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them, it says, uh, over to the desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served what has been created instead of the Creator who was praised, uh, who is praised forever. Amen. And guys, the gist of this is just what we said, right? We know. God made us. We we know. We know, right? We know what's wrong. We know that, that good should be repaid with good, and evil should be repaid for with evil. Uh, Paul kind of sums. He goes on for another paragraph, then he sums this whole kind of section of scripture up with with this in, in verse uh, 32. I think I've got it on the on the screen for you. Romans 132. It says, although they knew God, although they know God's just sentence that those who practice such things deserve to die, they they not only do them, but they even applaud others who Practice that. See it? God said, man, you know. You know what's right and you, you know what's wrong. And, and, and here's the deal. Despite the fact that you know what's right, despite the fact that I have placed, you know, the Bible says that God has planted eternity in the hearts of men. So, so despite the fact that God has told us what is good, what is right, despite that it's imprinted on our heart that we know that there's good, we know that there's bad, we know that there should be justice, despite all those things, the Bible says we still reject it. We still reject it. We still choose not to. Uh, uh, Paul goes on in Romans 3, uh, 9 and 10. He says, what then? Are are we any better off? He's like, hey, listen, I'm not better than you. He says, not at all, for we've already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one righteous, not even one. What Paul is saying is this. Though we believe in right, though we believe in wrong, And though we have an inner sense of justice, Paul's saying, we're unjust. Despite all that, we're still unjust. And you say, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, Google the word unjust. Here's what comes up, ready? The word unjust, it means not behaving according to what is morally right and fair. Not behaving according to what is morally right and fair. Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous. There's no one behaving according to what is right. So, okay? So God is just. That's who he is. It's not something he does. Because that's who he is, he can't set it aside. He can't ignore our our sin, right? That's a a problem. Uh, So God has planted eternity in our hearts. We know right from wrong, yet we still do wrong. We're still unjust. Y'all are loving the sermon so so far, right? Amen. Amen. Glory! Hallelujah, Pastor! Preach it! I didn't get any of that at the park either. Uh, Everybody's like, shh. I don't know that I'm coming back next week. Um, Just just wait. It gets good here. Third point. Third point. This is the beauty, right? Third thing I want you to see is at the cross, the justice of God was satisfied. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. My Pentecostal brother up in here. Come on, Jacob. Help me out. There we go. It's a little muffled with the mass. I'll take it, though. At the cross, the justice of God was satisfied. I'll Go back to that definition of justice. Do you remember it? An, An uncompromising, unwavering allegiance to a standard. Right, Justice is an uncompromising, uh, 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 unwavering allegiance to a standard. What is that standard? That standard is holiness. So God is committed to a standard of holiness. He is just. That's the standard. And God cannot, because justice isn't just something He does, it's who He is, so He cannot lay aside, He cannot set aside His holiness so that, so, so that we could be dealt with you know, just graciously. So God has to do something. He has to do something because He's just. And the Bible says the wage of sin is death. And and so God is holy. That's His standard. He he is just. So He's unwaveringly committed to that standard. And and the wage of sin is death. And so someone has to die. And so God says, I love you so much, I'm going to send my son to do that for you. And at the cross, we see the holiness of God collide with the love of God, because of the just nature of God. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing is what it is. We sing a a song, I I call it a hymn. It's actually a newer hymn, uh, but we sing it quite often here. It's called, In Christ Alone. And one of the stanzas goes like this. It says, Till on that cross, as Jesus died... The wrath of God was satisfied for every sin was laid on Him. Here in the death of Christ I live. The theological term for that, by the way, that the wrath of God was satisfied, the theological term for that, what we're talking about, it's called propitiation. Propitiation. It's a big word. Here's what it means. Propitiation uh, means a sacrifice that bears God's wrath to the end, and in doing so, changes God's wrath towards us into favor. Okay? I want to say that again. It's a sacrifice that bears the wrath of God to the end, and in doing so, it actually changes God's wrath towards us into favor. Can you think about that for a moment with me? Alright, so, so the Scripture declares that we are enemies of God and therefore objects of His wrath. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, what that looks like. And, and so, so. but at the cross, right, the justice of God, the unwavering standard of God, I'm holy, sin must be dealt with, it meets the love of God, where He sends His only Son, Jesus, to die in our place. And when Jesus' blood is shed, God accepts that as the sin payment for you and for me. And at that moment, get that, the wrath of God is turned from something that was against us and, and it's turned into favor for us. Right? Man, we should preach this. Amen? Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 3. Starting in verse 23, which is a verse we're very familiar with, right? Uh... And, and, and here's what he says. We're going to read from 23 to 26. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as propitiation by His blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and And the justifier of the one uh, who has faith in Jesus. And so uh, what Paul says is the cross is to show some things about God. It's its intent. And so it shows us that God is righteous. That he has a standard. That he's unwavering. Right? It shows us that God is just. That he can't lay aside that standard. But listen, it also shows us that God justifies objects of his wrath. Sinners like you and me. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's what propitiation is all about. I, I like what J.I. Packer says about it. He says the, doctor, uh, the doctrine of propitiation is precisely this, that God loved the objects of His wrath so much that He gave His own Son to the end that He by His blood should make provision for the removal of His wrath. He gave His Son to make a way to remove His wrath for us. Whew. God's justice... Is uncompromising allegiance to a standard. that standard's holiness. In Jesus, God's love meets that standard for us so that we can be justified. So what do we do when we begin to grapple with the justice of God? Go, Whoa, that's, that's a big concept. It is. It's important, though. So what do you do? I, I think there's three things we, need to, we should change because of this. And the first thing I think we need to do is, is kind of think about it. I, I think we need to understand that judgment and wrath are coming. I think we need to understand that judgment and wrath are coming. This is on two levels. So one is, is for the unbeliever, uh, for anyone here that, that hasn't put their faith and trust in Jesus yet. The Bible's very clear that judgment is coming. There's a time that's coming uh, where, where, where God's going to judge the whole world. I mean, that, that's coming, right? And, 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 and the sheep and the goats, those that know me, those accepted the gift of my son Jesus, those that didn't, and, and all of creation will be judged accordingly. Some to everlasting life, some to eternal punishment. That, that's what the Bible says. So that, that's not hellfire and brimstone. That's that's just the word of God. And so we kind of begin there. I think we need to understand that. So so listen, I, I would I would implore you, if if you have never if, if today's the first time you're hearing about this, like listen, don't don't be shocked or upset. Like we all had our first time to hear about this, right? I mean, I, I was 20, so it was 20, 24 years ago that I was like, man, I, I gotta I got to get that. And I, I had heard the gospel, but but something clicked in me, and I was like, whoa, dude, God is coming back. He's gonna judge the world. I'm on the wrong side of that judgment currently. I need to surrender my life to Christ. And I remember that night, I, just, I was out in the middle of the country, Columbus, Texas, went out under the stars, and, and I just said, Jesus, take control of my life. Here's the wheel. You're in charge, no longer me. That was it, and I was saved that day. I could tell you that moment I was saved. I knew that God, God entered my life with force, with power. I knew that he was going to change my life, that he was calling me to be a pastor in that moment, marry my wife. Like, like he did some crazy things in that moment. Uh, and I'd been dating her for all of three days, and I, I still can't believe she hung around. Because I wrote her a letter going, hey, God told me we're going to get married. And she still stuck around. But but uh, God, in that moment, I knew it was the power of God had come into my life. And so if you're here and you, you don't know, man, let's talk about that after the service. I won't embarrass you. Come up and see me. Uh, we'll, we'll talk. If you, you want to go outside and unmask, we'll stand six feet apart and talk about Jesus. It'll be great. It'll be great. So, so first and foremost, for those that don't know Christ, we have to understand that judgment and wrath are coming. But secondly, for those that do know Christ, we need to understand that judgment and wrath are coming. Okay, In two aspects. Number one, judgment and wrath are coming means that, that that when Jesus has come back, there's a great white throne of judgment and you have a purpose right now. Okay, And listen, your purpose has nothing to do in the United States of America with a political party. Right? It doesn't. Your purpose has to do with a great white throne of judgment that's coming and people that need Jesus Christ to be their Savior and Lord. Our purpose has to do with eternity, not four years at a time. That's our purpose. And, and friends, I love you, but I'm just telling you right now, the message we need to be proclaiming is that Jesus saves, that God loves, that we love. Not that you've got to vote for this person, you've got to vote for that person. Let me tell you, if you don't vote for either of those people, you're not a Christian, you're not a Jesus follower, you're going to hell. If that's your theology, your theology is broken. If that's your mission in life, then you haven't read the Bible Correctly. Because the mission in life is not to vote somebody into office that will force everybody else to to do something. The mission is life to tell all people, all people, that we are all sinners and that God will judge the world. That Jesus died for our sins. He, He took our place. He was dead and buried. He conquered death. He hung out for 40 days. He rose into heaven. And right now, as we speak, He's preparing a place for us. And He's been working for a while, friends. So, we do not know the day or the hour when he will return, but we know that when he does, that grace at that moment has stopped and all of the world will be judged. So, while we're living under grace, we have a job to do. And it's not complicated, Christians. Jesus said it very clearly go and make disciples of all nations. That's your job, not any of the rest of it. Okay? I love you. I know November is around the corner. I love you. I think some of us are spouting the wrong message. Okay? Looking to the wrong source for saving. Alright? So we've got to start. But listen, not only that, because of that, because our mission is to share Christ, and we're not doing a great job, we need to know that even for believers in Christ, there's a second judgment. Right? Did you know that? Y'all think there was just one? (laughs) I'm in. I'm good. And then Jesus says, I will judge you according to your works based on not just what you've done, but also what you have said. (laughs) Some of you, your teenage years are going to come back and haunt you what you said to your mama. Boys, are you listening? Um, They were at the park. And the Bible says it will be judged according to our work and anything that we did in the flesh is going to burn up like the fire. I don't know if any of you have been near fire. I have. I was in it a few months ago. It's, it's not fun. It sucks. Burns hurt. The smell, the singe of hair, it doesn't leave your nostrils very quickly. That's not what I want in heaven to be walking around smelling singe. So stop living in the flesh. Instead, walk in the Spirit. Do things that God calls you to do. And those things, he says, you'll be rewarded forever. So that's the first thing, man. We, we need to understand judgment is coming. Number two, number two, um, we need to let Jesus cover us from the wrath of God. We need to let Jesus cover us from the wrath of God. And so uh, here's kind of how I, I, I think about that. Anybody read the book of Revelation? Anybody? Anybody read parts of the book of Revelation? You didn't finish the whole thing? It's okay. Uh, anybody, uh, look, Revelation freaks them out a little bit. Come on, yep. Uh, freakiest part of Revelation for me personally is the thing about the bowls, right? The seven bowls of wrath freaks me out. Seven bowls. Seven bowls of, of wrath does not sound good to me at all because I think, is not one bowl enough, right? I mean, anybody ever, like, you know, like your wife makes a pot of beans? If you ate seven bowls of beans... Wrath is coming, right? I mean, just, I just want to be honest. If you, eat, if you eat, we have a chili cook-off once, you eat seven bowls of chili, you're going to have heartburn for a month. Like, like, so seven bowls of wrath freaks me out a little bit. I'm just going to be honest. And so I read about the seven bowls of wrath, and I think, man, why, why is that? Why, why would God say that? But here's the deal. God's still loving. God's still good. Because here's what the Bible teaches, right? That God has provided a way for us to be made right with Him to be protected from his, his wrath. And that way was his very own son. So I was trying to think, how do I put that in, into words? And so I, I'm going to give, I don't usually give analogies. I'm going to give one. It's going to fall short. I'm just telling you now, it's going to fall short. But I want to tell you in my flesh how I would feel as a father if you rejected this. And so, so uh, imagine for a moment uh, that you need a kidney transplant because of life decisions. Okay? Okay. So you need a kidney transplant, you check all over, nobody in your family works, but uh, we, because we, we're, we're your church family, we're family, uh, we, we go ahead and we get our family checked, and my son is a perfect match for you. And so we pray about it as a family, we decide to, to give you a kidney, and we do that, and, uh, and that goes well for you, but then I want you to imagine that, that something happens, and my son gets sick, and the one kidney is not enough to bring him through, and he dies. Okay? Now, I want you to imagine that after that happens, you decide to go back to your old ways of drinking and smoking. How am I going to deal with that? How well do you think I'm going to respond to you who has my child's kidney, who would made bad life choices, we gave you a kidney, and then you, you're like, nope, no, I'm, I'm, I know better, I'm going to go back to my own ways. I talked to a friend about something like this not long ago. He said, you're going to put me in jail. Jail may be coming for me, brother. Listen, what I'm telling you is, God gave you much more than a kidney. He gave you all of Jesus. And when we reject that, when we reject that, we deserve the wrath and the retribution and the anger. We do. Okay? And so so here's, here's how I picture this. Seven bowls of wrath is being stored up. The Bible says that God is not slow as we understand slowness, but He's patient with us because He wants none to perish. So the wrath of God is being stored up even as we speak. I like to picture a giant dam. And, and the raging waters of God's wrath are there. Now God's provided a way for all people to avoid that. And standing with His back to the dam is Jesus. And all of those that belong to Jesus are right here in His bosom. And He's going to protect them because the dam is going to break But Jesus will never lose any of his own. And when the dam breaks and it rushes over someone, it is not because God is mean. It's because they chose to go along with their old ways of life instead of receiving the free gift that God had given. You got it? Okay. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to plead with you, man. If you have not trusted Jesus, let Jesus cover you. Let Jesus cover you. Last thing. Last thing. We need to rest in trusting God as judge. We need to rest as trusting God as judge. And so, uh, here's the last thing that God being a, a judge means. It means that we don't have to be. Okay? The fact that God is going to pay back evil for evil means that I, I ain't got to do it. Right? I don't have to move my car over. I don't have to constantly think about how somebody has harmed me. Anybody been hurt by somebody else? Right? Amen. That's hard to deal with. And you spend your nights trying to figure out like how do I how do I deal with that? Like, what should I do to them? Right? And like I know I'm a Christian. And then you feel guilty because you want it, you want to. You're like, I I want it. I I I just want them to get caught, right? Come on. Anybody else just want somebody to get caught? Like I don't I don't want to hurt them. I just want them to get caught. Just want them to get caught, Lord. Bring And and, and here's the deal, man, that'll keep you up at night. Uh, that'll cause you chest pains. That will I mean that'll jack up your whole health. Or you can rest, knowing that God is going to give everyone what they deserve. Whoo! Tell you what, that's a lot better for me. Amen. Anybody else become an ugly person when they're trying to think about how to get somebody back? There's two of us in this room. Okay, there's more. I was like, hey, just me, and just be going through it. I'm, then I feel guilty. I'm like, Lord, I'm a horrible person. But if I trust that God is judge, I can rest in that. Guys, I think that's what God calls us to do. Because God is just, we can rest in his judgment. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to close this out. As I pray for us, before I dismiss our at-home viewers, we're going to pray uh, for Miss Wanda's brother-in-law. His name is Dudley. Dudley is a pastor in Taylor some of you I know, you're like, I don't like wearing the mask in the sanctuary. So why are we wearing masks in the sanctuary? Dudley currently is intubated with COVID and pneumonia. And it doesn't look good right now. And, and Miss Wanda said, hey, can we pray for a miracle? Absolutely. Because God's our Father and we're His kids. And guess what? My kids wake up in the middle of the night sometime and want ice cream. I do not always give it to them, but they can ask. So we're going to ask. And we say, God, we want some of that ice cream right now. Okay, so join me in word of prayer. Those that are at home, please join me in word of prayer. We're gonna pray for Dudley, then I'm gonna close this in prayer and we'll dismiss you guys at home. Father, thank you for loving us. We wanna pray for our brother Dudley right now. Lord, I want to pray for his wife, I want his sister, I want to pray for him, I want to pray right now for the doctors, that you give them wisdom, I want to pray that you got to use some, some crazy drug that you invented somewhere, and, and stick that in him, and make things start working, and, 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 and fight off the pneumonia, God, I'm just going to pray for that, Lord, I pray that you would intervene, Lord. I pray that we would remember this stuff is still real when we're, we're not happy about wearing masks or we're wondering why we keep doing social distance because we're still fighting this thing, God. And, and Lord, I just, I, I'm praying for that family, for his church, God, for his congregation, for the people he's going to lead, Lord. I, just, I pray this would be a testimony, Father. That is our hope. That is our prayer. We're your kids, so we're asking for ice cream. And we realize that it's your choice. And you may say no, you may have it, something else. But God, we're going to ask anyway because you're a good father. And so we ask you, good, good father, would you just do a miracle? In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.